How can we recover some of the magic of our early gaming experiences? What are the barriers which we've erected in the years since our youth? And what if we were to approach those old worlds with a willingness to be playful? Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our passion for tabletop roleplaying games. Newfound clarity has given birth to some confidence and a much greater sense of my preferences in gaming. The last few weeks have seen seismic shifts in my sense of well-being alongside a growing sense of who I am as a GM. As with much of Roleplay Rescue, there is a sense that in sharing my own journey back towards the role-playing I enjoyed so much as a young man, perhaps there is also an invitation for others to follow. Following on from episodes 14 and 15, I have found myself nudged towards setting up an early Bronze Age fantasy campaign which, as I began to conceive it, opened up an intuitive sense that I should return once again to my roots. This is Season 12, Episode 17, Back in Balazar. The Saturday night session rolled around and I had nothing prepped. Thinking that I was going to pick up the science fiction game, the one that helped me realise that Mongoose Traveller really wasn't quite my cup of tea, I had unfortunately run out of time to do the conversion tasks necessary to move the characters into GURPS. Saturday night's session had arrived, but oddly, I was calm and focused. It seemed to me that honesty and openness would provide the way forward. As I sat down at the computer, I decided I would simply speak to the group about the situation and see what they wanted to play next. As it turned out, by the end of that session, the group were expressing an interest in running a Bronze Age-inspired game perhaps with some ancient Greek influences, but happy with my own preference for a spiritually alive and deeply animistic world. Logging off that night, I was a little bemused, but also open to the possibilities. On Sunday morning, I awoke with one word, a name of a place clear in my mind, Daikini. Recording some notes for the GM's journal, I spoke about it and was initially convinced that Daikini was a Greek city or tribe, but as a day or two passed, my unconscious mind provided the memory of a black and white map of the walled fort named Daikini. I then realised that this was from the classic old RuneQuest campaign, Griffin Mountain. And so it was that I dug out my copy of Griffin Mountain and was suddenly flooded with the memory of wanting to play with this campaign ever since I'd first come upon it, much later in my life than most, sometime around 2008. The realm of Balazar had impressed upon me a strong desire to explore the maps inside, 
and connected me back to the original reaction I had experienced when I first opened RuneQuest in 1980. And that's when I realised that, very probably, I would enjoy bringing this old campaign to the table. But I knew that I didn't want to run it with RuneQuest. In truth, I have realised that the current RuneQuest Glorantha materials are a bit too heavy laden with canon and expectation for me to feel comfortable using them. Previous attempts to bring RuneQuest 2nd edition to the table have also run up against a sense that the old game, beloved as it is to me, doesn't quite fit my style. Recent forays with BRP have been positive, but, well, at heart, I've been seeking to orient myself towards playing games powered by GURPS, the generic universal role-playing system from Steve Jackson Games. This is where I am today, at the borders of Balazar, seeking to explore that old campaign setting, but also strongly sensing that I don't quite want to play it in the modern conception of Glorantha. I am journeying back into an earlier conception of the RuneQuest experience, one of a more raw and open-ended presentation of the world, which I first glimpsed when I saw the map of Dragon Pass in the back of the second edition rulebook. For me, the next steps in my fantasy role-playing experience are to move into the lands of Balazar through the lens of the sturdy and reliable game engine of GURPS, and the willingness to change and adapt things to suit my own vision of the world. My Glorantha will vary greatly. In fact, I'm not even really sure it will be Glorantha. But the lands of Balazar and the surrounding realms are the inspiration for that new, early Bronze Age fantasy game the Saturday Night Gamers have asked for. And it all begins in the shadow of an ancient stonewalled fort named Daikini. I'm not sure when I began to believe that published supplements, adventures and campaign books had to be run as written, but it's a transition that happened sometime after I left my teenage gaming group in 1989. I think the origin of this belief is locked inside the associated belief that I wasn't really good enough to be the GM of a game. You see, I'd been a player through all of my teen years, and although I'd yearned to run games, my friends had not given me the opportunity Stronger wills and personalities had ruled the table. Not that I had complained or minded, nor done much to put myself forward. It was just another part of the tapestry of low self-image which had been constructed from the put-downs and criticisms of family. In short, I lacked self-confidence. My dreaming was done alone. As I went into the world of work, my desire to explore took me into fantastic realms which other people wrote. I began the long habit of collecting, and even sometimes reading, the role-playing games and supplements that other people published. I was initially focused on the quest for the perfect set of rules, a familiar errand that I now see as a trap. But I frequently found myself curious about other worlds, and so I would buy, then read, and then imagine playing with different worlds. When I became the GM, largely from around 1998 when I founded the Friday Night Roleplay Group out of the friends I met at the Nottingham Roleplay Club, things began to move from reading towards playing. The problem was that I was unable to settle on any element of the game. The rules were never quite right, the world 
was never quite engaging enough and the methods we used were unsuited to the experience I was seeking. Not that I knew that back then, of course. Back then, I just assumed that something was wrong with me. People around me tended to agree. The problem was my lack of discipline and a butterfly-head character. The point is that by this time, I had developed the belief that if you wanted to run a really good game, then you needed to use this or that gaming product to achieve it. I was on the hidden hamster wheel of, if I only buy and use this game, these rules, that world, this approach to GMing, those maps, that digital tool, and these really cool dice, then, and only then, would I be able to run a really good game. The arrival of clarity has helped me see through this illusion. I already know how to play role-playing games. I have the imagination necessary to create interesting characters and situations within which to play. I already have a perfectly good set of game rules. In fact, I own several. And I already have a range of methodological tools at my disposal. I have run many hours of games in many varied styles and using different approaches. I know what I enjoy and I know what engages me and my players. I don't need to buy or add anything. In fact, the realisation of a couple of weeks ago was a simple one. I need to take a subtractive approach to my gaming, not an additive one. I need to use what is at hand, but strip away the things which get in the way of the experience I want to share with my group. And one of the ideas I've come to realise I need to subtract is the belief that you need to play a role-playing game and attending supplements in the way that the author wrote or intended them. To my mind, every printed resource I own is simply that, a resource. It can be used or discarded. It can be presented as is or reshaped. It can be hacked, altered, stripped down or built around to my heart's content. Why? Because this is my play. It is our game. And it's up to us how we choose to enjoy these fantastic games. I'm done with being told that I'm doing it wrong. Of course, the worst accuser has always been me. What was always most interesting to me was the world. The situation the character begins in, the scenario that the game is focused around, and the arising narrative that emerges through playing the game. The idea of an interesting world, a world that was created by the referee and which we could go and explore, really only exploded into my consciousness when I stole my dad's discarded copy of RuneQuest in 1980. The imaginary world of Glorantha was different from typical fantasy worlds from that era. There were gods and goddesses, there was interesting magic, and there were strange new creatures. I was hooked immediately. This was a world that grabbed my imagination. Looking back, I can see where my fascination with role-playing games became attached to my fascination with place and person. RuneQuest gave me the magical map of Dragon Pass from the back of the rulebook, and I spent more hours than I could count staring at it, exploring it in my mind, and yearning to play in that world. And so it is today. When I looked at the map of Balazar, I felt the desire to go and walk along those paths and explore those locations. For me, a good game begins with an interesting map. 
While I could very easily go and imagine, draw and begin with a map from my own hand, it seems to me a waste of a perfectly good map to ignore it when it calls to me. The trick, of course, is to allow yourself to imagine freely and not become hidebound to the intentions of the map's designer. As I reapproach Balazar, which is part of the Griffin Mountain supplement, I'm going to mine the book for the ideas that appeal to me and discard the remainder. I will be bending the locations and peoples described to fit my own vision of this early Bronze Age world and ignoring the stuff that doesn't speak to me as the GM. Considering the elements that drew me to RuneQuest in the beginning, the points to emphasise are the ways in which characters interact with the spiritual and bestial entities around them. I intend to install shamanic magic, early worship of deities largely inspired by the hero worship of Hellenic culture, which is echoed in Stafford's own Gloranthan lore, and a sense of the aliveness of the spirit world. Using GURPS as my rule system will lend the setting a grounded and lower fantasy vibe. I intend to dial the power levels down to suit the kind of explorative and dangerous game that I want to offer. I'm going to draw on the guidance from sourcebooks like GURPS Low Tech and GURPS Fantasy to mould the mechanisms of play to suit the style I'm looking for. And finally, as we approach character creation, I want to draw on the learning I gained from running the Northern Isles using the Imagine Roleplaying Games innovative guided character creation process. This takes the player through the early life of their character, inviting them to make key choices which help to characterise their game persona. It's a method that we found engages players while giving them a richer starting point in the imaginary world. As we arrive at the table, we've agreed to dial the balance of rules visibility to giving the players their character sheets as in a typical game, but asking for a descriptive and what might be called fiction-first approach as we play. While players will know the main mechanisms in play and roll their dice and see their sheets, we're also aiming to minimise the numeric talk at the table. And on the topic of magic... I intend to present any such discoveries and powers as being elusive and somewhat vague. Players will emphatically not know what spells, if such things exist, do within the frame of the rules. Instead, I aim to marry player and character perceptions through description. All in all, I'm hoping to give rise to a much more immersive otherworld, utilise the strengths of published resources but retain the freedom to run the game and the world in my own inimitable style. And that's where I'm up to right now. As I sit here with the map in front of me, I allow my eyes to glance over the evocative names and the interesting shapes and, and details on the map. Daikini sits in the hills over on the east side of the map. What's really interesting to me is that there's no scale on the map. And so I allow myself to wonder, actually quite, how big is this area? There are two other walled forts on the map, and there are so many evocative details. The three little giant mountains, the high wood, the great way, the valley of hammers, the oak wood, 
and the Elmwood and so many details that draw me in. Although right now I am at the beginning of this new game and this new project, I have to admit there's nothing quite as evocative as a simple map. What I love about where I am right now in creating this game is that it's actually dialing up the improvisational, playful and creative aspects of everything that I love about role-playing games. In the past, I'd always be bogged down with so many questions and committing myself to structures and to different ways of doing things that I felt I needed to do because that's what people told me to do. But I'm taking a leaf out of Stuart Brown's book, which is to simply sit down and play. The purpose is to bring a game to my players, and that game is going to be looser, more free, and guide really as much by intuition as anything else. And you know what? That really engages me in a way that I don't think I've been in a very, very long while. So that's where I'm up to right now. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. As you know, I do love to hear from you. So if you've got a question or comment, then please hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue where you can leave a message. Or if you prefer, open up a voice app on your device, record what you want to ask and email it directly to me via hello at rpgrescue.com. Let's see who's called in this week. Aloha Che, it's Brian calling in from the Queensland where temperatures in the Brisbane area have finally made it down to the single digits. Just finished listening to the latest episode on early access on Clarity and it's very timely and I have been following some of your comments in the, the Discord when I can and your blog post. This is something that I've gone on and off again and on again and off again, I think mainly with myself, but thinking about that I've already got too much and also putting that into perspective, not just for folks I've talked to online, but as we've finally gotten some RPG groups going here, I've realized that I'm definitely in the minority in terms of the amount of books I have and and what I buy. And one, I was trying to, I'd say either limit my purchases or be more selective mainly because I had so much stuff that I wasn't playing. And it's starting to change. And I'm even finding that with doing that, there's some constant threads, at least for the things I run. So again, it just feeds back into buying additional books when for some games, even though you're interested in it, you may just end up being a player. You may not need all the settings, etc. cetera. Uh, but I think that gets away from maybe where the way you're coming about it as. And I, I think that's actually, I don't know if it's a better reason, but I like your approach. And I've put clarity down on my list to check out either the library or see if I can get a copy down here. The thing that we've come back to and and the way that I've tried to approach, especially now that we're doing a lot more in person and I've been doing some one shots at game stores that I like is ensuring that 
I'm familiar enough with the rules, so refresh if needed, and this is mainly 5e, although with old school essentials, again, just to make sure I remember the difference, but familiar enough to basically instruct or help others without taking too much time to look something up, and then two, a little bit of the confidence or remembering that it's supposed to be fun when running the game. So as you said, not worry too much if I've already looked at the rules and determined maybe there's something that could be done better or it's not quite capturing the feel, but just trying to think about it in the moment. And I realized that for some, that may be a fine line between, I wouldn't say turning it more into, I'd say turning more to the fiction, you know, making sense. And I, I think everybody's, as it were, mileage may vary. But what I really mean is that trying to get the rules out of the way. And I know you're a big proponent, which, which I like, of getting the rules out of the way of the player. And whether that's you know complete ignorance of the rules, not having them too much in front of them, or making sure that the players, the group, is, is acting in their character and taking actions on behalf of their character, as opposed to on behalf of the player, if that makes sense. I'm, instead of you know, the common criticism of 5e, but it's not just 5e. I mean, it's pretty much any game, definitely AD&D first edition, where a player will say, I'm making this role, or I want to do this check, or I want to do this thing. And, you know, either going for the role or, or trying to break it down in terms of, of that. I, I, I found that running, we've just started up a, a group with old school essentials in my, my very local neighborhood. And it's good because actually you've got two guys that are probably the same age group as us and one who's a bit younger. And the two guys like us, I think, have come to it really looking for one to re-experience the, the BX, but to try and put forward, I guess, the same mentality to do things in character, not worry so much about the rules, you know, create the world as it goes along and, and go with what I'm, what I'm providing for them, which in this case was a, was a dungeon crawl, but letting them also help fill in the details. And for the uh, you know, it's not, I mean, not that much younger, but for the younger uh, guy in our group who hadn't played this version, but had played 5e, he, he seemed to fit right in. And it wasn't, I don't think it really changed anything other than just helping him maybe understand some of the smaller differences, um, just for what he was looking at his character sheet. But for doing things, it, it didn't really change too much. So maybe this is a very long-winded way of essentially agreeing with you. And I think your main point is correct. And this is from someone who's speaking with, I guess, relatively a smaller collection that I already think it's too much from the standpoint of it It becomes what everyone jokes about, that, that pile of shame, but more from the fact that looking at you know how I can spend the limited hours like everyone else and the games that I want to run or, or play in, I'm finding it... it the games that I want to play slash run help sort themselves out. As you said, that I already have enough, so I, I kind of go with what either I feel like running and can get enough people for and try it, or do what you can to get the players more immersed in the world or, and, and get them involved with doing things that build that and build the adventure. And I, th- I think you can do that, whether it's a dungeon crawl, whether it's space exploration and the rules can still be complicated is probably the wrong word the rules can be enough for 
I'd say the game master to be able to manage the game or, or facilitate the game and almost not necessarily fit them to whatever the players want to do, but make sure that the players are making actions that then you can adjudicate. So that, you know, referee part of it. And I guess the, the, the one big thing that, that stands out, um, you as the game master, you know, you have, you have almost a clean slate to start with, or you, you can, you can start with something and design it to what you would like it to be, or, or at least how you would like it to start for your players, as opposed to, basing this and time stamping it in some point in history with some assumptions, even though those go into it, you have a lot more flexibility with it. And I guess the last thing I'd say is, which maybe you're getting to with clarity is, is, is trying to, and this is from my perspective, use that to give yourself enough confidence to go forward. I uh, hope you're doing well and talk to you soon. Peace. Hey, Jay, Jason here. Just listened to episode 1214 Clarity, great episode, and it's a great point. We really don't need to buy more stuff. We, we all have plenty of stuff. And if for some reason somebody's found your show and they don't have any stuff, there are free RPGs out there online, free dice rollers out there online, so you don't have to even spend any money on stuff. So, yeah, just pick a system and play it. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Now, that be said, there is that that lonely fun of reading through these things and the experience of reading them, you know, almost as their own little novels and fiction and all that. And and there's that, that joy of reading the supplements and, and reading the adventures and reading the books and all that. But, yeah, you definitely don't need anything else to play. You just need to get out there and do it. Great episode. I'll talk to you soon. Massive thanks to Brian and Jason for the call-ins. Please keep calling in. It's speakpipe.com slash rescue. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons. On top of these episodes... Those guys get weekly GM's journal in return for their $1 subscription. And a massive thanks for your ongoing support through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thanks to John from Tale of the Manticore for all the show music. And of course, a big thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again on a flip side. Game on.